0: Here we go. The adrenaline of going live just never goes away. I've got, I had that adrenaline every single time we do these lives and then, and it's just that it just goes along, comes along with it. Have you done many lives, Joe?
1: Uh, you know, TV, that kind of stuff. Talking Yeah.
0: About- Is there always an adrenaline for you when you do of these lives? Oh yeah. Yeah. More, more so than, because we, when I have you on, the you've on, the, you've come on the show a few times, but it was before we started doing it live. Yeah. And, and loosely i say show when i call this a show but anyway you came on the podcast a few times and we were doing it recorded had gary kent in here with you the first time right it was a much much different it's a much different format but yeah here we are live and i'm going to tell you everyone i'm really excited because sitting next to me who i'm the guy i'm talking to joe o'connell producer director writer oh, wrong way. documentaries yeah it took me a while to get used to that going the opposite I always point the opposite i'm pointing towards my curtain right now but it's yeah. doing it the opposite direction but yeah it's this way it's that the writer director producer of documentaries including uh danger god and rondo and bob what year danger god would that have been 2018? 2018 2018
1: it doesn't yeah. seem that long ago to me it, they take forever it takes yeah. forever to bring out into the world, you know?
0: Yeah. Is that the hardest, one of the hardest parts of being a producer of movie?
1: Yeah. And you know, and I'm on to something else. I'm finishing something else right now. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah and COVID uh, didn't help. No. It for a year. Uh, film, you know, film fests just ended for a good while. We had, yeah. We, we, had,
0: we, yeah. Cause you were here, you had this film in the can. By the end of 2019, right?
1: Probably beginning of 2020.
0: Yeah. So it could have gone, it could have gone to screening by early 2020, which was the start of the worst of COVID. And we I remember you came on early on uh, that year and we were saying, Yeah, we have all these festivals that would have been happening right now. So, but now time the time is now you've been out in the festivals with Rondo and Bob, I think since the fall, correct?
1: Yeah. We had one festival at the end of 2020, mm-hmm. uh, that I don't know if anybody was at, uh, because it was still COVID time. Yeah. Uh, and then, then after a few months, things lightened up a little bit and we've been at, uh, we've been accepted to probably 20 festivals. Wow. About five of those never happened. Uh, some, mm-hmm. some because of COVID, mm-hmm. uh, some because of other things, like there was a Corpus Christi film festival that never yeah. happened. Uh, yeah, But, we, you know, won awards, best documentary a couple of times, best, yeah. of fest, best feature, which I guess is best of fest too. Yeah. Uh, so we've had a great reception. Well, I'm then, really excited, you know
0: i'm excited to finally get to see this uh and we're going to talk about that april 16th in sagin texas free a free screening good god anything free in 2022
1: yes we are asking that people bring donations for the local food bank
0: that's true that's correct yeah definitely uh, is going to be uh, they're going to be uh, taking donations for the food bank which is great so you can do two really good things support this film and and then make some donations to the food bank. So April 16th, Seguin, Texas. We'll talk about that. I got Joe O'Connell, producer, director. We didn't do a show last week, but good grief. It, we should have done a show because I had Joe and Kirk, kirk O'Matic, in the studio a couple of times last week. Uh, you were using, came over to use the studio and we, we were all talking about the infamous slap, the slap heard all around the world. And now it's slap that's beating a dead horse. <laughs> right because it's been talked about i mean sports radio spent hours on this after the, the monday following sports radio spent you got, hours you got on ali it. in there
1: you know
0: yeah, yeah had the, well it also had the to uh, tie into uh tiger woods of course tiger woods documentary oh. and uh i'm just now people are just now starting to put up clips of other things that happened that night because there were other highlights that we never got to see and by the way, the host did a, a damn good job. And some of those highlights finally started to surface today on the web of how good of a job they did. And that got kind of pushed to the side, obviously, because of that slap heard all around the world internationally yeah. and in different languages uh, that people watched uh, the raw footage of. So we're gonna, we're, we'll are we we'll get into that. We'll touch, we'll touch upon that. That's not the whole show, but we'll touch upon that. See if Joe has any new insight on it. I know the Oscars have readjourned, adjourned the, the Academy has readjourned. adjourned to uh to make some decisions on how they're going to um handle you know if there's going to be any kind of punishment and what that might be i know one thing they've already said whoopi goldberg said we're not t- we're not taking that man's oscar away that's not going to happen
1: maybe they should sure.
0: i don't know and that's, that's <laughs> something we'll, we'll talk about do okay. we want to keep the oscars become from becoming the jerry springer show maybe they need to really put their foot down um and do something to where that never happens again on the academy Awards, or anytime soon at least uh for another 40 or 50 years but we'll talk about that we got uh, of course Rondo and bob we're going to talk about movies in general and we're going to open the show right now with a little intro
1: hey okay, i lied Thunderpop, Thunderpop,
0: Thunderpop, oh, Thunderpop. yeah here we are for thunder pop extra it is april we're already well into april and of course like a typical austin april it's winter one day and summer the next it's kind of the state of our weather this time of year, you never know what you're going to get. Um, Joe O'Connell, producer, director, film writer for over 12 years with three publications, the Dallas Morning News, the Austin Chronicle, and the Austin American Statesman. And by the way, Dallas Morning News, I love, see, i am it's weird. I put more focus on, rather than the actual content of the publication, I put more focus on the name that they choose for a publication. And I've always loved newspapers they use the word morning. Like, okay, so Austin American Statesman sounds very official. Like, oh, that sounds too yeah. serious for me.
1: It was the Austin American and the Austin Statesman.
0: Yeah, it was well, it states just Austin Statesman now?
1: No, it's co- it's called the American Statesman. But it, in in its history, it was the Statesman was, I think, the the afternoon edition, yeah. and the American was the morning edition. Okay, I basically I, did that kind of stuff. I did that not worked. know that. Yeah, it's trivia.
0: Austin Chronicle, I think it's it kind of has an edge to it, so it fits that publication. I feel like it should have a little bit of an edge to it. But the uh, but newspapers that use morning. That's my jam. It feels inviting. Feels like I want to start my day with with that that publication. Dallas Morning News. I love that name. Now, I don't expect you to comment on your past employers' uh, cho- oh. cho- choosing of their names, but <laughs> that's just my take, I love morning newspaper that uses the word morning in the title. Don't don't know why I thought to bring that up, but All right. um, maybe I should do an, a blog just on the naming of newspapers and the ones that have, I thought, have the better names and the ones that, you know, think about the ones that didn't make it. Maybe it had something to do with the name. Chicago has two. Does Chicago still have two newspapers?
1: I'm not sure. You know, they uh, had the competing but- newspapers for years. Yeah, most cities have no longer have the competition. In yeah. San Antonio, the uh, San Antonio Light bought the San Antonio Express News and yes. shut itself down. Which okay. I thought was wild, you know. That is wild. And that's 20 years ago now.
0: Yeah, so over two decades ago. Wow. Yeah, I mean, and that's nowadays, you know, things get acquired in media all the time. Uh, You know, even in satellite, well, satellite radio, radio, there were the two competing Sirius and XM, and then Sirius, I guess, bought XM and became Sirius XM, just kind of merged the two together. Sometimes they do keep, you know, Facebook bought Instagram, but they didn't shut Instagram down. They just kept it. They kept that going as its own thing. Uh, They just have control over it now. So anyway, so... I know this is a horse that has been beaten into the ground, but you having been a, a film writer for a number of years, I know we talked about it last week. I had to have you kind of just beat it a little more into the ground. One more time for everyone, <laughs> the slap heard around the world uh, at the Oscars, which has now been over, oh, I guess almost two weeks, two weeks ago. Right. And that happened. The slap heard around the world. What do you think about it today versus where you were with it? You know, a week ago when we, when we had you over here at the studio,
1: well, you and I talked about it, and I thought Chris Rock was genius. Yeah. He totally handled that situation perfectly. He just kind of, like, made fun of the situation itself uh, and didn't confront, uh, you know, the actual slap. Uh, my take now is I think that uh, they should take the Oscar away. So and you – wow. So you say all the way, yeah. definitely take well, the Oscar away. I symbol anyway. Uh, take take Harvey Weinstein's Oscar away. Yeah, the guy was convicted, right? Yeah, take his Oscar away.
0: He didn't get his Oscar taken away.
1: No, he still Why has not? it. Because that's the argument against it is well, you didn't do it to these other people. Do it to them,
0: right? You know. Well, and you know, look at the Bill Cosby situation. Of course, that's a much different situation. The the, the crime yeah. is much more harsh. So I do
1: yeah. I don't think he won any Oscars for Leonard part, whatever it was. <laughs> no. Did
0: weird. you have to watch that movie? Well, you probably, before no, you were that's before you were in film writing, wasn't it?
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't, I think I would have refused. Uh,
0: I re- I remember when that was in the theaters because it came out around the same time as Eddie Murphy's raw. Uh, and, and so my parents used to drop me and my brother off at the movie theater when we got old enough and we would go bouncing from screen to screen. We'd go see one movie, but if there were, we were there early we had peek in on something that maybe we weren't supposed to watch, uh, <laughs> because of the rating. But I remember going in to, to Leonard Part Six and seeing all I needed to see was about three minutes, and we were we quickly regretted sneaking into that theater. Um, in fact we were really that was so traumatizing. We may never may never have snuck into another theater after that. It was like punishment yeah. for doing that. But we we ended uh, up uh, also sneaking into Raw. <laughs> Which was another uh, deal because it was yeah. shown at the same time. I think we were there to see well, we were there. We were there to see something more family oriented, but we went. We did sneak into Raw for, and that was something that was a much different experience for us, hearing that that level of raw comedy at, at our age. But yeah, uh, was um, thought it was hilarious. I mean that that was a much different experience. Thought it was the fun the some of the funniest stuff I'd ever seen <laughs> at that at that point in my life. Yeah. Um but Leonard Part 6, I thought, was for text write-offs. I said, this has got to be for a text write-off <laughs> the studio. Because <laughs> right. they couldn't have been serious about that film. Um, I'm sure it's been spoofed by all the spoofers. Some really good spoofs have been done. Yeah. But yeah, Bill Cosby had his trophy stripped. Uh, not Oscar, of course, as we mentioned. But he had some stuff that he had won over the years that had been taken away from him. Um, so it has happened before it happens more in sports than any, than any other area because you know, like the hyper yeah. trophy being taken away from, um, from the, from the running back from USC not too long ago, which he ended up getting back. I think
1: oh, Reggie okay. Bush, Reggie Bush. Yeah. And, uh, Pete Rose is not in the baseball hall of fame. I'm not a baseball fan, so I don't know much yeah. about it, but
0: he's yeah. not in. And
1: he probably never will be.
0: Well, uh, and now they're, they're skipping over people that were thought to be steroid users. Yeah. For, for for the uh the uh, like Roger Clemens and I think uh Mark McGuire, um Sammy Sosa people like that are getting kind of leapfrogged yeah. which would have normally by their stats would have been considered a shoe in for for hall of fame. So they do it in sports uh they've done it a little bit in other areas but but this is a situation where Whoopi said no we're not going to take that man's Oscar away. Well you're saying uh, do it take the Oscar away uh, he's already stepped down from the academy from his his role with the academy would you, would you put a, a suspension on a number of years that he couldn't be nominated? I hadn't thought of that. Maybe. That was one of the things I heard that was his possible yeah. suggested idea was that they wouldn't take his Oscar away, but he would be much like, again, sports where they put a, a, you know, a sanction on a college football team and they uh, can't be eligible for a year. national championship. So do you think uh, – is Will Smith too big to cancel – like was the offense not big enough to cancel him because of his level of celebrity. This is a guy who is very powerful in Hollywood. He's not just an actor. He's an executive producer. He produces uh, TV shows, movies. He has uh Cobra Kai, which is a huge show that oh. he has. A, he owns a, he owns a piece of that show. Know. He also has uh, the, the, the Bel Air reboot on Peacock that he executive produces also. So he's a wheeler and dealer in Hollywood. Um, is is that gonna? Is he just too big to cancel? Is he gonna just bounce back from this pretty quick? I don't.
1: I don't know. I mean, I think that he that one hit messed up his the perception we have of him so much. Yeah, they'd worked those PR people had worked for decades to yes. make him into that person, oh, that nice yes. guy. Yeah, and suddenly he's not a nice guy. So you know, it's interesting how stuff can change
0: just instantly I mean yes. yeah you look at some other people that that did something really and got them in trouble really quickly like the Roseanne tweet from a few years ago yeah. that got her her show basically her taken off her own show and the show was rebranded as yeah. a result of that but um that was something that was kind of a paper trail with her already with her her tweeting and having kind of a questionable history with her her tweets uh and her and her opinions on on certain things so there wasn't like a huge like 360 there like there was with the will smith thing like you were saying yeah so there's a little bit of difference there um I mean i've seen celebrity snap before I, I saw know. jerry i saw an interview with jerry seinfeld years ago with uh, larry king where he snapped on larry in the middle of an interview But what, what appeared to be him snapping on, on larry king? Because uh, yeah. larry king made some comment, you know, larry king was later years. He was a legend But in his later years, he kind of had his bad days and good days and on on tv and I know he made a comment. He said something like Seinfeld Show, Seinfeld Show, like he would talk like this. <laughs> the Seinfeld show was on for X amount of year, eight years, and then it was canceled. How did that feel, Jerry? <laughs> and of course, it was oh, not canceled. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Jerry just decided to stop doing it. And Jerry got really pissed off at him. And he said, Larry. And he said it really looked like he snapped on him. <laughs> and and it, it serves a little bit of the ego there. Like, don't you say that I was canceled? I wasn't canceled.
1: Show wasn't canceled,
0: so I've seen celebrities snap. Of course, the physical contact is a much, even much more extreme thing.
1: Yeah, and there's there is so much control of the message, and and the people I have come to realize that the people who are the big celebrities are control freaks. So you know, I interviewed yeah. Kiwi Herman, yeah, like three years ago maybe. Yeah, and I, and I knew I had to ask that question that he didn't want me to ask. Mm-hmm. And I asked it in kind of a different way, but he was very controlling of his message. Mm-hmm. He did eventually a- answer for me, but, uh, he also had what he wanted me to write about. Yeah. You know, and he was in control of that message completely. Uh, you know, and so I think a lot of them are that way. Mm-hmm. Will Smith got off message. We're not supposed to see behind the curtain to who the real person is. Yeah. You know?
0: Yeah, and I don't know if it was a lack of of taking taking a day off that made him finally snap and show that side of him that had been said, like you said, they had been able to conceal for the yeah. most part over the years, or if it was uh, the emotions that had gotten worked up from the, be, the experience of being nominated and and probably knowing that he was got a good chance to win. He's got uh, a
1: weird personal life too. You know, there's, weird, yeah, there's yeah, there's that
0: stuff too. There's the infamous, you know, his his wife has that uh her own podcast and show uh and they did a whole round table about you know where he it was the whole uh entanglement
1: Uh, that it was very strange
0: yeah so there's a whole thing and they've been kind of rumors and stories that were wrapped around they're having them having a a, I guess what has been said that they've had an open relationship and different people and parties have had entanglements possibly because of the the open relationship so i don't know there's um his kids now are also very much in the spotlight. So it's not just him and his wife. Now it's the whole family that are very much in the spotlight. I know his son's on social media quite a bit, uh, is a bit of a star himself has been in movies. So, um, that brings on a whole new thing. We saw what happened to the Osbournes when, the, when they all became famous,
1: except for one.
0: That's true. The one that cho- chose not to be a part of the, yeah. the TV stuff. People have made them all famous. This. Yeah. And she seems to have been the one that's had the most private life. Yeah. Where the other ones went through their own struggles as a result of being thrown into this, you know, level of fame and in the Hulk Hogan situation, same thing too with his son, his wife, everything just went chaos when they all became famous and not just the Hulk, not just the Hulk Hogan. Fame is
1: just so fascinating. You know, I've spent Mm -hmm. the last two years working on a book. Uh, that's my COVID deal. Bob Bob Dunn and getting it on the, on the tour, the festival tour. But, uh, I've been telling the story of the Ross sisters, and people yeah. can look them up on YouTube and see the video of them uh, doing contortion. They were contortionists, and they worked their butts off and traveled everywhere, mm-hmm. uh, and they met guys and married guys who also were very driven. Uh, and and one of the things that I got out of that was just that whole notion of, is it worth it? You know. Wow. Now you that have kid. all these people who are quitting jobs now because mm-hmm. they decided it's not worth it on, on that level. Mm-hmm. Uh, but for the Ross sisters, it was like, it, "Is this worthwhile?" And their mother broke a movie contract. They had they had like a five picture deal, mm-hmm. and their mother broke it because she thought it wasn't good enough. Uh, wow! Yeah. Wow! So, strange stuff.
0: Um, and I heard that book's pretty epic. I know you gave at least a synopsis to um, Oh, I gave, yeah I gave
1: him the whole story. Yeah
0: yeah, you gave him the whole story. <laughs> no. He's like really excited yeah. about it. Would that have been something you would have done as a documentary had it not just been too uh, too expensive. It
1: would have been yeah. too expensive to do, right? though I, though there are contortion young female contortionists around now, yeah, who would play it, They play the roles. I think it I think it will be done at some point. Uh, as a
0: scripted scripted story. Yeah,
1: Probably. yeah, I think it can be done. When we well, did, uh, when we did Rondo and Bob, uh, my inspiration for a lot of what I did was becoming Bond, the George Lacey mm-hmm. documentary, uh, and that's a guy who just quit. You know, mm-hmm. he was offered he, he did yeah. Bond in one film, was offered a multi, multi-picture deal, yeah, lots of money, and he said no. And I found
0: that fascinating. Uh, that's that's a pretty fascinating story too. And A lot of people have no idea about him. Yeah. Because of how fast he was in and how fast he was out. I'm sure there's other people that also are that same, you know, mu- from music and movies and television had very similar type of situation where they got kind of they were just too much for him and got out fairly quickly. Um, and, or they you know, just some- not play the game, you know yeah that too is yeah, for for different reasons uh i saw you know we just watched the the sex and the city sequel series my wife oh, yeah. wanted to watch it so we watched it and um there was a part one scene though that really did stand out to me it wasn't nearly as good as the original as a lot of people have already talked about online but uh, it still had its moments when it was good it was really good and when it was it was uh, a train wreck it was a train wreck but there was a one particular part one scene where one of the characters said something was really interesting it was very profound how you think that you go for something that is your dream and your goal. And if you don't go for it, you're going to live with all, have all these regrets. So you go and you pursue that. So like for some people uh, they chose like, and this is in many stories and some people you can find a way to balance and do both. But some people chose family, settling down, having the kids when they could have, if they had made the left turn, They could have gone to Hollywood or they could have gone into whatever their version of stardom was going to be New York, Broadway, whatever, and taken that route. And they would have given up that staying in their town, having the family, doing something more normal. And in the case of the Sex and City character, she was uh, talking about like being just a lawyer or going into like a um, high level, like corporate, like, you know, so. And how there was less work life balance. And she said, you know what I found is no matter what you do, you always have. <laughs> what if I had done that instead? You know, the person that goes the the Hollywood stardom route makes it is going to look back and say, oh, maybe I should have gone for the simple life. And
1: yeah. the person
0: that goes for the simple life is always going to look back at the. I really wish I had not wasted my talent and gone to Hollywood or whatever. It was their dream. Yeah. I thought that was pretty fr- profound and it's like, you know, uh, it's I could true. see that. I could tr- I totally see that, that you're always, there's always going to be the questioning what you did, no matter what you do. Uh, but I can't wait to, I can't wait to read that book. Uh, how, how long till you think you'll have it to where people will be able to find it.
1: I'm, I'm in a program called the book project out of the lighthouse writers workshop in Denver. And I'm turning in my first draft of my mentor in about two weeks. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and then it will go through revisions and then it will go to a second reader. Mm-hmm. So it'll be a while I mean, yeah. It's, it's a slow. Pro- it's much like it's in very many ways. Like what I did with Rondo and Bob mm-hmm. uh, only I'm more doing it by myself. There aren't other people helping me. I have yeah. an MFA in creative writing and I, mm-hmm. you know, I teach creative writing. I feel like I got into making these films because I wasn't finishing the books. So yeah. and the difference with the film was that, that I had somebody else there with me working yeah. on it. Yeah. Uh, and Kirk and I, Kirk Hunter and I, you know, mm-hmm. sitting down there at the editing table and just doing yeah. it. There's uh, Kirk a, there. Yeah. We had a rented office. We got on each other's nerves, occasionally yelled at each other. Uh, <laughs> hey, there he is. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, but, but we got it done and, and you know, I try to set up situations where I am forced. I force myself to finish things, Uh, and so I'm giving you. I don't know if I'm giving you even the answer to the question you asked, but that's kind of the deal. And so I will finish. I'm almost done. I mean, I'm I'm really at the last chapter, Mm -hmm. uh, which is an important one. Uh, You know, it's a weird mix of research and creative writing because it it will read like a novel, mostly but it'll be based very much on facts. So, uh, you know, and, and, as far as when, I don't know when it will reach the, the reader. Mm-hmm. It'll be a while yet.
0: Documentary takes a little bit longer in process though, than the book, than doing a book.
1: Yeah. And like Rondo and Bob, we, you know, I had the notion of what the story was about, mm-hmm. but we would be going along and, like for instance, we, we interviewed one guy about Bob Burns and he said, did Bob ever tell you this story Mm -hmm. when he saw a man almost die? And I said, Oh, well, we got to film that now, don't we? And so, you know, you have to marshal Mm -hmm. all the resources, get get actors, find a location, uh, do all that stuff, get vintage cars, which is Mm -hmm. what we always ended up having to do for our old scenes. Uh, and just putting it all together. And I, and I write the script. Uh,
0: and that was the biggest difference between this second documentary and your first one, danger God, the Gary Kent story was right. that y- you, you, you recreated a lot of the story. You, you, used actors, you brought them, you, you scripted the scenes, uh, you did reenactments. Yeah,
1: we did reenactments because they're both dead. Ron, uh, Hatton, and yeah. Bob, Urge are both mm-hmm. dead. Spoiler alert. Yeah. Uh, it, But uh, it's weird because we reenacted some stuff that uh, I didn't write. Mm -hmm. And and we got one weird review where the guy said, this scene sounds like it's straight out of a bad 1940s uh, gangster movie. And it's because it was written in the 1940s by the the, guy that it's a recreation of an interview that was done with Rondo Hatton. Mm -hmm. And we used the actual words from the interview, you know, uh, which were goofy. That, that wasn't me. We did the same thing with Bob Burns. Yeah. We had uh, raw footage of Bob Burns talking in an interview for the very first uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre documentary. And instead of using Bob Burns in it, because we use the other, our actor so often, I said, let's just recreate it with the actor. But the, but they're all Bob Burns' words. Yeah. You know?
0: And you built that, Matt, you, you all had someone go and, and build that face, that mask. The actor to wear. yeah amazing
1: Paul Smith uh, mm-hmm. who had worked with Bob. Uh, you know Kirk knew him, and we got lucky because I yeah. don't think we could have done the film, you know, in anything but a laughable way without that. Yeah, you know, uh, yeah, and
0: and you still Kirk. have a version of the mask that you've taken around to the film festivals, right? Two yeah, yeah, two two of them, yeah,
1: yeah, and Kirk there's more. Is- Kirk yeah. has
0: been a stand-in and worn it at some of the appearances,
1: more than once. Yes.
0: Yeah, and he has that kind of the stature where it kind of works for him. He's yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's great,
1: but, you um, may, but your answer to your question is that it is very different, and I and I hesitate to even call it a documentary. Yeah, I think it was more of it more as a bio doc is is mm-hmm. my term for it because yeah. half of it is a feature film, and half of it is traditional documentary. So, you know, the challenge for us when we were putting this thing together, uh, I had like color coded uh, post-it notes on the wall of our editing office. There was one color for Bob, one color for Rondo. Some were half and half because they had both of them in there. And I would rearrange them all the time. I think I drove mm-hmm. crazy with it <clears throat> because we had to be it had to be to where this is a film about both Bob Burns and Rondo Hatton. There are people who want a lot of Rondo and there are people mm-hmm. who want a lot of Bob. Yeah. We had to have it to where you will never say you're watching a bunch of Bob and you think where, where's Rondo at that point, it needs yeah. to switch. So we had to do that kind of thing. And it becomes a bit of a collage.
0: In Hollywood, they do a lot of, uh, you know, nowadays, especially they do a lot of focus groups. Mm-hmm. I, I've been a focus group. I'm not supposed to say what it was for. Yeah, but I'll just say it was TV. I did some TV focus group stuff, but I know the focus group stuff. Did you, do you ever run your, your docs by people in your inner circle to get feedback or do you not like to do that? Cause you get too many, uh, chiefs in the, yeah.
1: in the kitchen. We haven't really done that. We, you know, we do test prints, uh, test run of the DCP. When we do that, mm-hmm. that's when people first saw it. And I don't think there are a lot of changes from that point. Yeah. Um, uh, so, no, we just kind of went with it. Yeah, yeah. that's the difference. The book I will have to revise over and over again. Yeah. You, you we, always- had, we had to cut. That's the painful thing with doing a film, is that you end up with a two-hour film. Mm-hmm. That's not too bad. But we had, we had to cut 20 minutes out of that, and there's a lot of stuff that we would have liked to have had on, in there. Uh, I'm a completist. I want everything in there. Yeah. but then you realize that you have to stick to the focus of the film, and and the focus is really, Bob Burns was an, was a creative genius who created the look of horror, but he felt that he was ugly on the inside, mm-hmm. and Rodolfo Haddon was ugly on the outside, and was a perfectly normal, happy guy inside. He was an all-American kid, uh, and so Bob was obsessed with him, and that's you know we were. We were finishing up Danger God and Kirk was my editor. Uh, I I called him in late in the process and he started showing me footage of Bob Burns. And, you know, I thought, started thinking about it. And then he showed footage of Mm -hmm. Gary Kent and Bob Burns. And I both walk in the room at an event that Bob Bob did at a blood bank. Yes. I said, said, did I walk in next? He said, you are, you did. (laughs) Because I was interviewing Bob Burns. It's when I met him. Yeah. And at that event, he gave me a script called Rondo and May, which was a love story about Rondo Hatton that he'd written. Uh, and it's, while it's not something we adapted for the film, it has a big influence uh, in, in what we were trying to do. You know, we weren't just doing a Bob Burns documentary mm-hmm. or a Rondo Hatton documentary. We were doing both at the same time.
0: What year would that have been, that blood... That blood bank of that that you were the footage when I think that had been
1: two thousand,
0: around two thousand.
1: Yeah, it was when I first started my column in the Austin American Statesman, yeah. uh, and I came there looking for a column idea. Yeah, and I talked to Bob. Bur- Bob Burns was trying to get me to talk about a film that a script he'd written that he planned to direct that never mm-hmm. happened. You know, it was a horror thing he was going to set in Seguin,
0: which. We'll get to that Seguin event okay. because that has a tie-in to Seguin. No, uh, Bob, Bob Burns, you mentioned there, and and what a synchronicity that is. People talk about synchronicity. That's synchronicity <laughs> as can be, yeah. uh, with you know the, the you coming in after the your your first two movies subjects coming in ahead of you. Did you know Gary already by that time? I knew Gary. I I had yeah.
1: interviewed him. Yeah, uh, written a couple of articles about him.
0: Yeah. So you knew each other, and did you know Bob already? I didn't know him at all. You didn't know him at all at that point. I met him that day, so that's the day you made him. So, Bob, uh, for people that might be Rondo, that are well aware of Rondo because of you know his cult following and and having you know he's uh, I'm gonna ask you about Svinguli because my parents are big Svinguli fans. Well, let me just yeah. ask you about Svinguli Sven now. They watch him every Saturday night, and you know my uh, matic our friend Kirk-O-Matic watches him pretty regularly too, and records him. So, yeah. Svinguli being kind of the guy in 2020s for B-movies, kind of the, the the all-knowing. Was he
1: approached for an interview for this documentary on Rondo and Bob? No, we didn't talk to him. We talked to Joe Bob Briggs. Yeah. Uh, Joe Bob was coming through town, and we just arranged it. It was very strange. We were the Almo Ritz, which is no longer with us. We were in some kind of labyrinth back room there where you could hear the movies in the background behind us. Uh, and just talked to him for a while, and he mm-hmm. knew Bobber as well. I mean, he yeah. he was a fan, so um, yeah fun
0: no What's that? that? Been cool. Yeah, would be cool. I know he's in Chicago, so he's in a different you know different area market and stuff. Yeah, um, and so yeah, so uh, uh, and of course he's run movies on his Saturday Night program. And I know this because my parents being good big fans of his uh, that have Rondo Hatton. You know, featured Ron. He's he's run some movies that were Rondo Hatton features on his um, on his Saturday Night Show. Um, so that's pretty interesting. Um, now, for people that might not know about Bob Burns, that maybe they know about Rondo Hatton, what's something you could tell them about Bob Burns and and refer them to to go check him out? Yeah. Other than your documentary, of course.
1: Right. Uh, Bob Bob was raised in Austin, mm-hmm. and he went to the University of Texas. He was an actor in high school at Austin High. Uh, we had had a scene we recreated on the actual stage that he would have performed on in high school. It's gone now. It's the ACC Rio Grande Campus, which is gutted and totally redone. That stage does not exist. Uh, So he was an actor in high school and he he got a drama degree from UT. Mm -hmm. But while he was there, he was also doing graphic design and he just was a jack of all trades. And for Toby Hooper, he had done the press material for toby's first film eggshells Mm -hmm. and toby hooper said he saw that bob could create anything he was kind of famous for that making anything out of thin air Mm -hmm. and so he got him to do the set design for chainsaw massacre and bob after chainsaw was reluctant to continue doing art direction basically collecting all the stuff and creating the look because they got screwed around financially. Mm. And he had people come looking for him. They saw Chainsaw Massacre and they said, I want that guy for our film. The first was The Hills Have Eyes. Mm-hmm. Uh, they came looking for him. And then the then the howling, for the Howling, they came looking for him, and then Reanimator. Uh, and he created this look. He had a philosophy, which was that the art direction should be invisible. You should never be thinking mm, about how, you know, this guy did cool stuff. Yeah, you should in, in, instead be afraid, and find this to be incredibly real. Uh, Reanimator, he created an entire hospital set, mm-hmm. and uh, Stuart Gordon, the late Stuart Gordon, we we talked to him before he died, uh, said that people would often ask him where that hospital was, mm-hmm. and he had to tell him. Bob Burns just created it, you know, Uh, but it looks so real that you assume that it's a real thing. So he's most famous for that. He did a lot of other films too, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, Microwave Massacre. uh, Yeah. All kinds of weird, weird films. He kept doing it. Uh, And he was the star of uh, Confessions of a Serial Killer which is based on Henry Lee Lucas. Mm-hmm. He was doing art direction for the film. They lost their lead, and they looked out the window, and they saw Bob making bloody stuff, bloody uh-huh. stuff that would be used uh, on, in the film. And he was gleeful about it. They said, let's use him. Let's make him the star. And they didn't yes. know he was an actor. Yeah. And he, he puts out a really incredible performance in a very creepy film. It's amazing. Yeah
0: amazing how those, those things come up come come to come out come come to be of just random things like that yeah um and and uh it's amazing also texas Chainsaw. you remember talking about texas chainsaw massacre how that has just continued on and on over the years has has had new life
1: yeah and, and rabid fans just mm-hmm. incredibly rabid fans yeah one of the things we had to make sure with Rondo and bob was that we didn't make it into a chainsaw film mm-hmm because it's very easy to do that. Yeah. Uh, Because, you know, we've got a fan base for this film from chainsaw fans, obviously. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. My favorite moment in the entire film was we were at a convention in Bastrop and all of these stars of the different, different chainsaw movies were up on the stage being interviewed. Mm -hmm. And a guy came up to ask a question dressed as Leatherface. And, the cast members just die laughing because they see the ridiculousness Mm -hmm. of what they're doing. You know, the veil was pulled back a little bit. Yeah. Uh, Just my favorite scene in the entire film.
0: Well, and what other IP in the horror genre has a following that's that loyal for that long stretch of, of, of time? I mean, there's all these other IPs that have put out several movies and TV shows but I don't know if any of them have the passionate fan base that Texas Chainsaw Massacre has. I mean, you look at you know Friday the 13th, um, Hellraiser, Freddy Cougar. Maybe, I mean, Freddy Cougar in pop culture is pretty significant. Yeah. But as far as having that passion, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I can think of anything else. Yeah. And maybe before Texas Chainsaw was probably Psycho or something from Alfred Hitchcock's you know library of, of films but uh, definitely you know in you know the last 40 years i can't think of anything else
1: it's it's yeah it's not going away either no the the new movie got kind of uh, mixed reviews yeah but there will be another one you know and
0: probably not in 2 or 3 years down the road they will come off they'll come with a different approach yeah and it'll get another look and, you know, they'll, they'll nail it again at some point.
1: I was Somebody- on the set of uh, the remake in 2003, 2004. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was really weird because they, they filmed it in Austin. Mm-hmm. And they filmed it yeah. at, a, at a shutdown, some kind of state institution. That's out uh, 969, FM 969. Yeah. And down the hill was a pauper's graveyard. And they're filming like in the middle of this stuff. It was incredible, mm-hmm. and then down below the hill was prison. So it just all had uh, had bad juju to it, you know. Yeah, the, yeah what you want for a horror film.
0: You yeah, know? you want that. I mean, um, obviously one of the creepiest movies ever made for me. I don't even like talking about it. Exorcist and the stories that go around go around Exorcist. Is probably a documentary all on its own, and I'm sure it's been a documentary. I'd be surprised Definitely it hasn't. Haven't. Yeah, surprised it hasn't. All the stories. So, talk. About, you got Seguin coming up, April 16th. That we were talking about at the beginning of the show, and that's a free event. But, but also, you're going to be raising, uh taking donations for the local food bank, right? Um, as an entry. Uh, so, bring. And there's uh, bring a reason him. we're in
1: Seguin. What's that? There's a reason we're in Seguin. There's yeah, re- we're there. We, when we began the documentary, it's the first place we went uh, because Bob Burns had decided to sell his property in Austin in mm-hmm. South Austin and buy a house in downtown Seguin. Yeah. And that's where he lived his, his last years. Oh, wow. and he was very involved in the community there. Mm-hmm. And so I when I talked to the people there, really the very first people we interviewed, uh, I said, yeah, we're going to do a screening here when it's done. Mm-hmm. Uh, So it's kind of cool to actually be doing that, you know?
0: Yeah, that is cool. Is it going to be, is there a theater there or is it going to be just held at a
1: There's a couple of theaters in in Seguin. This is the Palace Theater. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, Old-timey theater.
0: Oh, yeah. I saw a picture. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So it'll be cool. And one of the weird things that Bob Burns did, he could make anything and he made costumes. And he made this creation, which was the Burns Family Band. It was him in the middle and his two sisters, powder burns and heart burns on the sides, or mannequins. You have to... You know, <laughs> uh, I wish I had that photo. And, and he performed this with a group called the Kingsbury Opry. Mm-hmm. Kingsbury Opera. Kingsbury is a suburb of Seguin, you know, a little community outside of Seguin. And mm-hmm. the old folks would show up on Friday night and it was a covered dish supper no smoking, no drinking, no cussing. Those are the only rules. Uh, and you could get up and perform. Everybody was welcome to get up and perform. And so Bob started performing there for the film. Our craziness. We decided to recreate that. So we wow. found we, we found the actual costume, and we had Paul Smith, the guy who did the mask. We had him kind of renovating it on the spot. Mm-hmm. We used. Spray paint and everything on it, uh, and fixed it up and filmed it with our actor. And so, the and, and at the Seguin event at 6 p.m., April 16th, the Kingsbury Opera will perform and the film will will follow at seven o'clock. Oh, wow! That's so fun, yeah! So it's kind of a real uh homage to uh, to Bob, yeah, you know, and there will be people there that, that knew it. So yeah, local,
0: locals and and uh, that they will become. They will,
1: yeah, Bob, okay. Bob. was convinced that this is a big theme of the film. Bob was convinced that he was incapable of love, and that he had no yeah. friends. Yeah. Well, Rondo had many friends. Everybody loved Rondo.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And uh, when Bob died, he. he uh, spoiler alert. He, could, yeah. he killed himself uh, at his house in Seguin. The yeah. and there was a memorial service in Saguenay. And tons of people came wow. because he had tons of friends. And, you know, he just couldn't see it. He, he couldn't understand that people cared about him.
0: Would that have been after, wh- around one time, wh- around the, what time was he in Seguin? Would that have been after 2005?
1: He, he died in 2004. Mm-hmm. Okay. So he was there for like three or four years. Yeah, think, you know. It's yeah, not, to- not a real long time compared to Austin. That, uh, yeah,
0: but he made a huge mark there.
1: He did. In the skiing area. Yeah, I'm talking to uh, San Antonio Express News writer about that about that whole aspect of it tomorrow.
0: Oh wow, that's cool. Yeah, yeah it could be a lot of people San Antonio as well. Uh, it's proximity. It might yeah. it might be, uh coming out there as well. Uh, that's exciting. I uh, hope we have enough room for everyone.
1: All right that it, that will be a problem. I will like.
0: <laughs> yeah. That's a good problem to have. Yeah. Get some video of that and, and, uh, you can uh, that. will create a lot of excitement. Yeah. Going forward. So talking about for people that can't make it to Seguin, Texas, maybe they're too far. Can't get there uh, on the 16th or whatever other reasons might be going on. Uh, and I don't know what it could be that could be keeping you from going to Seguin, Texas on April 16th. If you live in, in the, the state of Texas, you have no excuse, but but uh, for people that will be unable to make it, that were like, "Damn it! I really want to see this this film. I to, I've been waiting to see Rondo and Bob. When am I going to get to see Rondo and Bob?" What can we you are, tell them? What can you tell them?
1: Yeah, we're we're still doing some festivals, some film festivals. We're at uh, the uh, I'm forgetting the name of it. Crimson Screen Festival mm-hmm. uh, in uh, uh, Charleston, South Carolina. Mm-hmm couple of weeks we're at uh, a really big festival called uh, creep fest in Kansas City yeah and then we will be released uh, streaming but we have a distributor they're releasing us in early June so we'll be on all the streaming services yes so it'll be after there. Yeah. there you go I hope yeah. to have an Austin awesome screening before that this happens and yeah if you have ideas of a place for that. Uh, I just want to do something to uh, have Bob's friends there. Yeah, we've kind of, we we've, we've screened everywhere. We screened in Texas. We screened in in uh, at Texas Frightmare in Dallas, mm-hmm. Houston Horror Film Festival. Uh, but we have and we we shot a lot of it in Taylor, and we did something similar to Sakeen mm-hmm. there, uh, playing at the local movie theater, uh, and we have been all over but we have not done austin so a lot of people may not have heard of it You yeah,
0: know, well there's the austin film that. society i don't know what they've got going on in their calendar but yeah with that seat out there um yeah i know i know they're back open i've seen them have some stuff show up here lately um yeah, online yeah. so so i don't know fingers crossed you get the austin screening yeah i know you would have had austin screening by now already had it not been for the covid delay that, yeah. that ensued. I know you, but you all went up for a road trip up to the Dallas uh, festival that you were in uh, a few months back. Yeah. Which one was that? Te- Texas
1: Frightmare. You Texas, Texas Frightmare Fright- Week.
0: Yeah, you did. Which Texas Frightmare. Were you all able to go uh, travel to any of the other ones?
1: Uh, we've been to Hot Springs, Arkansas. Mm-hmm. Uh, been to uh, uh, Horrible Imaginings, which is in Santa Ana, California. Mm-hmm. One of the top Horror film festivals in the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, we went. Gary Kent and I went to uh, Tucson, mm-hmm. the Tucson Terror Fest.
0: Yeah, I saw. Okay, I remember so, so that. We've now,
1: done yeah. Some, some I I wish I'd gone to. We we won awards at a few that I didn't go to.
0: Yeah.
1: Atlanta Horror Film Festival. We we were uh, best documentary, uh, and the Midwest Monster Fest. I got a really cool thing because that that's the one we were uh best feature best feature film so no that's
0: great now are, are you would you consider yourself to be superstitious at all um some somewhat so some, uh, i can i can be but the thing is if if you had started noticing and this is not what happened of course but if you had started noticing that you were winning the awards at all the festivals you didn't go to oh would you have stopped going to festivals as a superstitious move
1: that sounds like a good excuse to not have to go <laughs>
0: we, had fun traveling. Travel. We,
1: we, we had fun traveling around
0: yeah it's fun a hot springs sounds like it would have been a lot of fun
1: yeah it's a cool place and we yeah. you know we went to the baths and all that uh we had a good time
0: kirk get in this the uh in the springs kirk he did Ek.
1: he did yeah. that must have been
0: that must have been quite a <laughs> sight. There's Kirk there on the camera with the flannel shirt. This is a, uh,
1: this is us filming the scene where Rondo met his wife. Okay, yeah, that's May, that's May. Rondo and May in the we red there. Town in uh, Taylor, Texas, and we did this on a – This was very early in the production too. Mm-hmm. We did this on a Sunday night late uh, because I figured there would be no one in town that it would be dead. Yeah. Instead, there was an endless parade of giant pickup trucks. Oh my gosh! With big, mu- with with uh, glass pack mufflers, coming down the street and revving it. It was crazy.
0: Well, he said, that was in Taylor, correct? Taylor, Texas, mm-hmm. near a uh, downtown area.
1: Yeah, downtown. That's that's right downtown. That, that the, the art gallery is since closed, but we use an art gallery. This is. Oh,
0: they closed the art gallery. Didn't make it.
1: Yeah, the art gallery didn't wow. make it. though. Taylor's booming because it's Samsung.
0: It's, oh. <laughs> Well, last time we went down there, which was probably 2019, that we were downtown Taylor, uh, it was really starting to really popping down there.
1: Did you see the beer, uh, the Texas Beer Company?
0: Well, we went to a wine uh, wine play, like a wine tasting.
1: Place oh, okay. in, in that's order, I think, yeah,
0: yeah, in downtown Taylor, which I think might have been, yeah, I think I did see yeah. the beer, but yeah, we we went there for barbecue, but we ended up going and checking out because we were amazed at all this new stuff that had popped up in Taylor and we ended up at the wine tasting.
1: Taylor was so good for us because we could find things, you know, like, like I talked about that scene where Bob Burns sees a guy die.
0: Yeah.
1: I had to figure out how to do this. He gets hit by a car. He sees a guy get hit by a car. Uh, and so I had to figure out how to do that. And so I found a street that was not a city street that was considered an easement. And so I didn't have to get insurance to do it you know, because I don't want to have to do insurance if so I can avoid it. Yeah. And in front of a bed and breakfast, we shot mm-hmm. some stuff inside the bed and breakfast. Across the street is the old Taylor High, uh, the old high school that's been redone into all kinds of cool stuff. And uh, they owned the street and they gave us permission to use it. We had already shot there. We recreated a scene of the Texas Tower shooting in, in 1969. Both Bob Burns wow. and Cooper were there that day. Uh, so we, you know, we did ambitious stuff. Yeah. You know, we yeah,
0: all really went for it. You mentioned yeah. the back behind you that's green screened in in black and white there with with your act, the actor play that was in your film playing Rondo with the mask. And yeah. you said it's a green screen of a green screen. You were telling me before we right. started the show.
1: Yeah. Uh, we, Kirk and I had a little editing office and it had a boardroom and we would shoot a lot of things in that boardroom. And this is Rondo sitting at the boardroom table with a green screen behind him. And I just purchased some, uh, footage, some old footage of a newsroom and we we slugged it behind it It worked out really well. This is one of the last things we did. Mm -hmm. Uh, we just, it's kind of like you don't want to end.
0: Yeah.
1: And so you keep finding new stuff to do. And that seemed, and and the guy next to us also makes movies in that office. Yeah, and he had a green screen, so say okay, let's do it. Yeah, play with the green screen. You know, so it it turned out pretty well. So it's seconds on screen, you know, but it makes a great image.
0: It looks cool. Uh, Much easier, also, than recreating that whole office. Oh sure, uh, and bringing in extras, I would assume, and. Yeah, building that. We don't have Bob Burns to do
1: that, (laughs) right? If Bob
0: Burns was here, damn it, he could have done his sets for his own documentary. (laughs) Yeah,
1: if I make another film, it'll be a lot of green screen. I think it
0: seems (laughs) easy. I see a lot of documentaries now use animation for recreate Uh reenactments, which it has worked worked in some of the ones I've seen, uh, or they'll have some kind of moving drawing or something, and they try to get through, yeah, you know, get through their reenactments doing it that way. Um, but yeah, it's always good to see someone really try to do something unique and different. So I'm really excited to see what, what came of, you know, y'all's ambitions and, doing the reenactments and, and, uh, be fun to see, yeah. uh, cause really get a hybrid. You're getting a document. Like you say, you're getting a documentary, but you're also getting,
1: it's a um, feature film. Have, a feature have a, film. Yeah. So it's yeah. almost like we, the next step needs to be a pure feature film. I kind of like, yeah. like I have a couple of, uh, things that I would like to do. Mm-hmm. One being the Rondo Hatton of Austin. I would like oh. to a short film about the Rondo Hatton of Austin.
0: Focusing on that aspect of his life just during that time?
1: No, the, a guy who was oh an okay. and was a, a Rondo Hatton-type character in Austin.
0: Oh, okay, an actual Austin's version of that. Yeah,
1: his name was Hans Hans Hartkopf. Mm-hmm. And he went to the same high school as Bob Burns. Interesting. Uh, went to Austin High. And he was a he was a race car driver. And he had a big mechanic shop on uh, Barton Springs Road, where the restaurant row is now. There, mm. and he was and he was huge. Rondo was not huge. Yeah, because when you get acromegaly, uh, the the condition he has is acromegaly. Yeah, which is uh, a pituitary gland tumor, and it causes the hands, feet, uh, and face to grow, to continue to grow. It kind of sparks it. But if you get it young, Rondo Hatton got it when he was probably about nineteen. If you get it younger, your entire body grows. And the guy in Austin actually was huge.
0: Wow.
1: Uh, and and apparently a very nice guy. Uh, and and I have spoken to some of his family, and that's something I would like to do. I don't know when. I don't know when we do it, but maybe short film. I don't short know, like a uh, uh, you know full length one.
0: Sure. Now you were mentioning all the, how you hate to get rid of, not use stuff when you're filming mm-hmm. you know, all this extra stuff you really loved. didn't want to get rid of right. it. Is this going to get a DVD release like you did with danger God? Cause I know you did the DVD also with danger God. And if it did happen, could that be an area where you could use that footage?
1: Maybe so. I mean, we, we have no plans for that right now. Our distribution deal is just yeah. straight. Okay. Uh, yeah. So and, and maybe we'll do that ourselves Do a Blu-ray. So you
0: could do that, a separate deal with that on its own.
1: Yeah. There's some interesting Austin people we talked to who didn't make the final cut. Mm-hmm. Um, so that would be kind of cool. And, yeah. and smaller films that Bob worked on in Austin. But we yeah. had to, there was a point where we just had to slash away. mm mm-hmm. Uh, you know, a lot of people think documentaries should be 60 minutes long or 55 minutes. Right. And we're, and we're an hour and 40 minutes or 100 minutes. Yeah. And that's about as long as I can see it being. I think that's where people's patience ends. Mm. Did cool stuff. And one thing oh. that I never talk about enough is one of the nice things about doing a film is you can choose what the soundtrack is going to be. Yeah. And I love this song by a guy named Ferris Narala and it's called Problematica. Look it up. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. just beautiful Beatles esque type pop song. Mm, nice. And I wanted it for the credits. And so I arranged it and we ended up having 10 songs in the, in the movie by Ferris. Wow. And he's, I think he's just really incredible. His, I'm a big fan of his brother, mm-hmm. uh, Celine Narala, who, who's a music producer and wonderful artist in Dallas. Um, uh, so kind of cool to be able to do that. And so if you see me at the screening during the credits, you will see me sitting there singing along to the songs. Because <laughs> I, I just love it. And I, I love the opportunity to have that in there.
0: Well, we may need a soundtrack release then before the well, DVD. That,
1: that might be more difficult because there's all this yeah. involved.
0: Yeah, a, the music stuff's a lot harder, yeah, to get yeah. distribution and do it because all the other people involved.
1: We do uh-huh. have a soundtrack album for Danger God that I think nobody has. Uh, wow. it, it's really just the this the tracks from the background along with mm-hmm. Gary Kent singing. Yeah. If anybody hears this and wants mm-hmm. one of those, send me 10 bucks and I'll send you. You know, Find a way to contact me. Okay. Okay. Bob.com or DangerGod.com uh, and I'll send you a soundtrack.
0: You heard that, folks? I'll if you want... The Danger God soundtrack. Yeah, get a hold of Joe, Joe O'Connell online.
1: It's got. It's worth it for the two songs sung by Gary Kent, written yeah. by Gary Kent.
0: Yeah. So, that 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 I, I think I'm about to send you. Then <laughs> I'm gonna Venmo you. All right. I'm about to Venmo you. Um, I got some film questions I want to ask you. You, oh. I know you were not already, you were not already in film journalism at this time, but you would have been around Austin, I believe, around this time. Hmm. I used to love reading another Austin American, Austin Statesman or Austin American Statesman, um, entertainment writer that was, that was around. I think that you would have crossed over with her though. Uh, TV writer, Diana Holloway. Oh, sure. Work. Do you ever work with her?
1: I was a, uh, I was like a part-time copy editor. Okay. So yeah, I was around. Yeah.
0: I loved reading her, her great great person
1: who is doing great stuff in retirement. Uh, yeah. Both she and Ben Sargent were part of one of the early purges at, at the Statesman, where they got rid of all those yes. wonderful voices. You know, it's a real shame. There's there's yeah. not very many of them left at this point. Um, she
0: was she was so good. I used to love reading her TV you know uh, reviews, TV yeah. shows, and no uh, to me I don't know if there was anyone better around that time.
1: Yeah, she did a good job. She was, she I mean, was she, it, you know, she went to those. Film junkets, those yeah. TV junkets, yeah. whatever they're called. Yeah. Upfronts, is that it?
0: Yeah, they, up front, they had the upfronts. They still do those, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. But well, that's probably- who I learned. That's how I learned so many things uh, in the entertainment industry back then about you know things like the upfronts. I learned from reading Dinah Holloway. It was a film. It was TV class. Reading her yeah. article every week. So she was I really enjoyed her. I really enjoyed her work. Yeah um and the the other thing i want to ask you about is critics in general film critics in general and how you're talking about how there's not very many more like her she was kind of the the end of that
1: there aren't too many film critics either
0: yeah is that dying is that is that as we know it already dead because it's changed so much now because you have the internet where everybody can and i've talked to kirkabatic about this many times but the internet has given everybody a, a a place that they can have their own platform, their own channel, and 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 to some degree, it's been good. And to other other ways, it's not. And and many of the people are really, really good. By the way, there's so many talented people doing vlogs and podcasts and and whatnot, reviewing TV movies, uh, in their own way. But is it de- is it just complete dead as we know it? The days of the Siskel and Ebert and all that stuff—that's just never going to happen again.
1: Or, or it'll just take another form. I don't know. I, it's, it's probably harder to make a living at it. Yeah. These you yeah. know, there, there are movie critics for the Austin Chronicle, mm-hmm. uh, but The Statesman has one guy. Yeah. Uh, you know, so it's kind of tough. There used to be a bunch.
0: Yeah. They had at least, what, three probably at one time, right? Yeah. They would take, you know, they and had great you know,
1: people, you know, like Alison Makor who has a PhD in film and writes books about film. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chris, do you remember Chris Garcia?
0: Yes. He was not that many years ago, but probably 15 years back.
1: It's, it's was... a ways back. Yeah. Yeah. And, and Chris was very good at making people angry. Yes. And he wrote, he wrote beautiful prose and he had, yeah, he stuck to his opinions and, and had great insight. Yeah. Uh, I don't see that kind of stuff much anymore. You know, it's a shame.
0: And before, yeah. if I'm not mistaken, before Garcia, there was a guy who was also equally as polarizing in Austin for movie reviews. Well, I believe it was Patrick Taggart.
1: Oh, you're going back. Yeah. I believe is yeah.
0: his name. I remember he was the original like guy that would really stir, stir the pot uh, yeah. when it comes come to really getting people boiled up. Uh, and I think he, he, he leaned more towards uh, serious dramatic movies. Didn't like the yeah. big blockbuster as much. Thing. Yeah. What's, what's that? He did theater as well. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, I didn't know that that he was in the, yeah, he had done that as well. Um, so yeah, with the, you know, movies and, and now Rotten Tomatoes kind of people, when people talk about going to for movie review, um, it's changed in 20 years where, you know, 20 years ago it was ciscan and Ebert and now it's, you know, Rotten Tomatoes or maybe even more than 20 years ago.
1: Um, yeah. that's
0: when, where I go. Yeah. When, when now, when, um, Speaking of the old, the old tradition of movie movie critics, uh, when Gene Siskel passed away, and Roger Ebert did a series of guest hosts, and he brought in a bunch of people, um, one local, I know yeah. that, that got to go on and do it. So, um, they he had a series of people, and they tried out some different people. He finally landed on someone that was, as you know, was another local Chicago guy. Um, if you had gotten called to do that. That gig. <laughs> would you have been on the plane to Chicago? Would you have done it?
1: Oh, sh- certainly. Yeah. Yeah. Freaking out too. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That would have been, could you have, you think you could have sparred with him or do you think it would have been too, it would have just been like, Oh, this is someone that I've watched for years. It would, it would have been put- a different dynamic for
1: you. It would be tough. Yeah.
0: Cause that's I what like they wanted. They part- wanted someone to go in there and spar, they could spar with him like Gene did. Yeah.
1: yeah. I liked, uh, A.O. Scott did that some, didn't he? Uh, from the New York times. Yeah. And I like his reviews.
0: Yeah. You know, what'd be cool is that they did a, a, a revolving door revolving round table now mm. where, you know how they had this revolving round table shows, you know, like, uh, well, I know the original version of Bill Maher show was where he had a panel on. And I don't know if he does, he does a hybrid version of that now where he still has a panel on his show, but you yeah. have a panel on to talk about the current events of the day. And I know that the view is kind of the same host all the time, with a few guests that come in and out, and they do a panel roundtable. But what if they had like did the Siskel and Ebert format, but you had two different people every week to spar over the movies that were coming out that weekend That'd in a very Siskel and, Ebert, Siskel and Ebert style? And you would think about the people you could get on there to talk movies. Yeah, and you could just look for the wildest uh, odd couple every week that you could book to do that
1: this is your future podcast
0: this is the show that i want i want to see yeah. this it's the yeah. same format as and i think the original cisco ebert was at the movies but now it would be it was to be maybe it could be it'd be something else but it would be a very similar format but you'd have two different people every week think about yeah. the different people you could get on there and have them sparring i want no, this show no. you know, with this, you're right this might be the next project this might be the next project to figure out how we can get this, uh, make this happen. I'm trying to think of the comedian's name. He's got a huge, he's got a big mouth and he's really good at getting people stirred up, but, uh, he's a, he's a huge, uh, basketball fan and he does right. tick tock videos, but he would be already immediately someone that I'd want to book for that show. Cause he could, he would go on there hearing him talk about movies. Obviously I, I, a lot of comedians would be funny on there.
1: I think Kirk needs to do something like this. Cause he would just go off in some weird tangent. Uh, well, yeah <laughs> I think we a review that. show with Kirk.
0: I want that now. I want a weekly review yeah. show with Kirk involved. That would be good. him reviewing the movies. I mean, I've heard him you know, have you ever heard his story about his dad what he would how he would refer to movies that were the big budget blockbusters? Hmm, no he's his dad used to say these big movies that were the big budget movies of course they were they've they, they've they're even more wilder now than they were then. But yeah. back then it would have been like a Michael Bay movie or it might have been, you know, whatever. It was a big blockbuster movie at the time. But he used to say they they Spielberg that movie. It was Spielberg
1: everywhere. And his father was a theater professor. Yeah. Texas, so he had credentials. Yeah. To be able to talk about it.
0: So he, his term was they Spielberg everything in that movie. It was all yeah. explosions and lasers and buildings being split in half and everything. So. Would have been yeah. probably referring to movies like Die Hard. Um, of course, once Die Hard came out, you know, the floodgates opened and everybody was trying to make their own version of Die Hard.
1: Right? Die Hard was good. Yeah, it was a good film.
0: And Speed, which was the bus yeah. instead of the building. And then they had, I don't know, there was a bunch of them. That did, did uh, Of course, Speed 2 was with the worst idea ever, but they did a cruise ship. <laughs> right. And Keanu Reeves wouldn't even come back to do it because he was like, it's not Speed, it's a boat. Yeah, it's not moving fast. Slow speed. What's that? It's slow speed. Yeah, yeah. Or not. It's not. It's not. It would be slow. That's that's. you yeah. should call it slow not, or speed too slow or something. Yeah, slow uh, down. I got one more on the Rondo Hatton and, and reminder by April sixteenth at Seguin, Texas. This is going to be a fun event uh, for a screening of the documentary, and then, of course, streaming is coming up this summer. So check your local streaming listings. Uh, it's going to be on multiple streaming platforms. That's just really exciting. Um, but I want to ask you, anybody that is a fan of Rondo or Bob or both, uh, something they might, they people that are diehard fans that know a lot about them, but something they might not have known about one or the other, that you'll either learn from the film or that you learn from doing research on the film, that is going to be
1: a surprise. Uh, uh, Rondo was a journalist. Yeah. And he considered himself a writer. Uh, I actually have a copy of a script that he wrote. Uh, so he was an intellectual guy. Uh, Bob, let, let's see. Bob liked to tell puns mm-hmm. and often bad ones. <laughs> he made a short film that it, that uh, there was a movie way back when called The Man Who Loved Women with yeah. Burt Reynolds. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's not a movie that particularly stands up test of time, but Bob made the man who loved inflatable women. And he had a bunch of inflatable dolls. <laughs> uh, so
0: does that stand the test of time better or about the same?
1: It's goofy. We have yeah. premiered that film in Rondo and Bob.
0: Wow. Okay. There's a little treat there. Not the whole thing,
1: there. but parts of it.
0: Cause it'll a be lot- something nobody's ever seen.
1: And all, along with his unreleased film, uh, uh, Scream Test, mm-hmm. Bob Burns. Bob Burns' film that was unreleased. We've got it in there. So,
0: oh my gosh! Well, that that should be a good teaser yeah. for people that are think we're on the kind of on the the sense about sense. going to come to Seguin. <laughs> Yeah, that should get you. on Yeah, the, that's it. Come see it, Austin Horror Society. That group.
1: Yeah, rent a bus.
0: Rent a bus and head down there to Seguin that's it. Yeah. That's gonna be a lot of fun. Sounds like I need to get there early. I want to make sure I'm going to have a spot. a seat. There you go. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to leave early. Where Where should people go eat in Sagin? If they want to get there early and have dinner before the movie.
1: I, I'm know? afraid I don't know.
0: <laughs> I don't know either. I would have no idea, but I'm sure there's someplace good to go. They're usually... A...
1: Marcus and go to Herbert's Taco Hut.
0: Okay. No. I Yes. Yes. I've heard of that. I think we might have gone there. It's on the side of 30. Is that right off 35?
1: Uh, back in a neighborhood by Rio Vista Park. Okay. Marcus. Yeah. It's I think it, great. Text mix.
0: Yeah. I think you know, I, I
1: have 3% power on my computer. Uh-oh. Man, well, no got, got uh oh. We got
0: 3% of show left. How
1: well, much we have? 3%?
0: <laughs> we got 3% of show left. We're okay. going to wrap it up because we're a little over an hour. But thank you, Joe O'Connell, April 16th. Can't wait. Rondo and Bob streaming this summer. Very excited uh we'll see out i'll see you out there in uh, just under a couple like a less than a week and a half i think uh i'll yeah, see you out there yeah, right. look forward to it
1: and rondoandbob.com they can find out everything about the film
0: yeah if you want to just go ahead and look online and keep up with it and also danger god is out there as well if you haven't seen danger god it's uh they can find it pretty easy right yeah it's everywhere yeah so you go look up danger god and you can figure out where you can stream that and watch that as well uh so that that's that's uh, the story of gary kent uh, legendary Hollywood stuntman and uh, b movie so, legend yeah you know, movie legend House as well. guy, yeah and just a swell guy um here in austin texas all right everyone out there have a great hour day second millisecond we'll see you as soon it's thursday it's almost the weekend so have a good friday rest your week and where's that outro let's do this closing it out here it is this is where i need the producer joe <laughs> Thunder Pop is a Hit the Bricks production.